Once more, you dip your toes into the pool of ethereality and trundle down the tiled steps of bewilderment. Once more, you come to us from out of the fog of reality and into the mist of mystery. Welcome back, my friend. We return to the same night, somehow, despite, and the same macabre subject matter, unfortunately. But let us disregard that. Let us disregard all temporal inconsistencies and thematic concerns. Let us not give them voice. For now, let us instead celebrate our triumphant return to the Tales from the Tombstone Tavern! Of course, there's flatworms. They're all hermaphrodites, too, but they're mobile. So naturally, they don't have the same problems as the barnacles. Instead, they use their penises to duel with. They rear up, open their mouths, then have at it, and then they... Why the mouths? Oh, I should have mentioned, sorry. (laughs) Their penises are in their mouths. No way. I love this. Anyway, they duke it out, and the loser gets stabbed by the winner. Because they're like miniature swords. Sex out. Obviously. And then they're impregnated. Tell me more. Do you want to hear about fruit fly sperm? Do I ever? Are you still on this? I, I know a lot. Too much. No such thing. What's with you? Where'd this enthusiasm come from? I'm just imagining all the ways I can gross out my Aunt Pauline by repeating this stuff. It's wonderful. I thought your Aunt Pauline was dead. Never stopped you. I, uh, just to clarify, should I keep talking about the sperm, or... No. no. Yes, don't listen to them. They're just embarrassed because they've got no blood flow left. Give me the details. What's that supposed to mean? Well, a fruit fly sperm is more than six times as long as its entire body. What the hell? Why? <laughs> well... Enough. Enough. Time out. I'm vetoing this entire discussion, and we're going to start talking about something less disgusting. Like dismemberment. Hey, you can't just... Look deep into my eyes. You are under my command. I am under your command. You are a thrall to my whim. I am a thrall to your whim. You will stop discussing bizarre reproductive habits in the animal kingdom. I will stop discussing bizarre reflective hats in the animal kingdom. Close enough. Now, surely, perhaps you'd care to raise a more highbrow subject of discussion? Highbrow discussion? Oh, crap, I forgot to release him. Hang on. No. There. Wolf, okay? Is he okay? He'll be fine. Anyway, surely, hmm? please. Oh, yes. Um, would anybody care to see my submission for the New Yorker's caption contest? Wow. I'm sorry? I'd be riveted. It's, well, the cartoon is a group of folks seated on one of those 
You know those rather large steel eagles that protrude from the side of the Chrysler building? No. They're on one of those, and another fellow is hanging alongside them, gripping the beak, his legs dangling off the edge, and he says... <laughs> he says, Haven't any of you people ever heard of Feng Shui? <laughs> <laughs> oh, save it. I can tell when I'm unappreciated. Have you ever won? As a matter of fact, I have. Once. With what? Well, if you must know, I can't honestly recall my caption. The cartoon they provided as a template, however, was something about road workers who had mixed up their helmets and their high-vis vests, so they were wearing the latter on their heads. Hey, no reflective hats! Ah, Wolfgang. Back among the living, so to speak. I still don't know what the New Yorker caption contest is. Oh, it's mad libs for people who own multiple dressing gowns. Oh. A preferable state of affairs compared to looking like you had an accident at the masking tape factory. Oh, good one. Ladies, please. The evening is still young, and we have at least three more frightening tales ahead of us. Now... Do we have any particular volunteers? Well, why don't you go, Vlad? Simple. Saving the best for last. Oh, please. We've been prevaricating on the subject all night. There is one, and only one, surefire trope, monster, scenario, whatever you will, that has never gone out of fashion, and simply never will. Ghosts. Yawn. Oh, I see we have some booze from the peanut gallery. First of all, I am sensitive about my algae, and you know that. Second of all... Ghosts are boring. Stanley Kubrick would disagree. The Shining is not a ghost story. It's about... Wolfie! Please, please. I don't think I can take the moon landing stuff twice in one night. Okay, fine. But even if you ignore the fact that it's obviously about how Stanley Kubrick is a CIA asshat... An asset. All the terror in that movie comes from Jack Nicholson with an axe. That is utterly untrue. You are ignoring all the atmospheric work which predominates the film and is the entire reason it's remembered. No, I'm not. I'm just saying it's groundwork. And without the payoff, no one would remember that movie. Preposterous. Is it? Then tell me. When people want to quote something scary from The Shining, do they yell, Here's Johnny! Or do they put on their best Scatman Crothers voice and quietly intone, I think a lot of things happen right here in this particular hotel, and not all of them good. That was shockingly articulate. And there's more, I tell ya. <laughs> there we are. Ghosts are background. They're the oldest part of scary stories for sure. But that don't make them the most important. Every ghost story is about some poor bastard that got executed or died in war or drowned in a small river after being accused of stealing sheep. It's the death, the violent stuff that makes it scary. Otherwise, you're just dealing with Casper. I've never heard such utter rot in my entire afterlife. If physical violence is the essence of terror, then why isn't Die Hard a horror film? It sort of is. Lots of these movies overlap. Poppycock. Everything depends upon framing and thus atmosphere. Real fear, true, solid terror comes from the inexplicable intruding upon the familiar. Violence might result from that, but it is not a necessity. Without the axe, no one remembers those twin girls. Without those twin girls, no one remembers Jack Nicholson with the axe. It would seem we have reached an impasse. Hmm... Adam is correct. What we have here is a competition not just between styles or ideas, but the fundamental elements of a scary story. And the only kind of resolution to be hoped for is a competition of tales. I would say we have found our next two volunteers. 
But didn't you already rule yourself out of going next? Yeah, this actually changes nothing. Unimportant. Surely, Wolfie, which one of you is interested in following up Adam's story of human disintegration? Fleabag here threw down the gauntlet. I suggest he put his money where his mouth is. Joke's on you. I tell stories with my mouth. Is is that a yes? No, it's a hell yes. R- right, which, which is a yes, right? Yeah, essentially. So, okay, cool. Well, um, uh, you want a minute to think it over or... Uh... No need. I got the perfect tale ready to go. Once upon a time, a loving teenage couple pulled into their favorite lover's lane to listen to the radio and do a little snogging. Oh, please don't. Then, all of a sudden on the radio, comes a warning of a dangerous escaped convict roaming the area with a hook instead of a right hand. The couple gets scared, see? So they drive off. And when little mister drops little miss home, he goes round to open the car door and... (laughs) He sees a hook on the door handle. The moral of the story is, if you're gonna hook a car, make sure it's not going anywhere. Was that it? Nah, I'm just messing. Here's my real story. This one time, a babysitter. It's a scary phone call. One more lame bit, and I will place a curse on you so that whenever you're in the self-service section, every single purchase will get an unexpected item in the bagging area. Alert. I didn't know mummies could do that. Would you like to find out? Not particularly. Then narrate accordingly. Okay, okay, okay. I want you all to picture a campsite by a lake. Uh. I know, I know, but it's important, okay? We keep coming back to certain settings for a reason. And I want you all to bear that in mind while you think about this place, okay? It's, uh, it's in Oregon, classic Pacific Northwest. So you've got, uh, what? You've got great big redwoods standing around the place, gazing down like guardians of something... Ancient, primordial, unknowable. The lake, well, it's only sort of a lake. Used to be a a limestone quarry that got filled with water. Sometimes gets used for diver training. Which is great because diving in a limestone quarry, you can't see shit. So no trainee comes out of that thing unprepared. The buildings are all holdovers from the pre-Reagan years. So, you know... Not exactly in the best condition. Scouts sometimes use it as a base, but the group we're currently focused on are school kids. On one of those camps they offer as part of some award scheme when you're like 12. And then the 16-year-old kids get to play counselor and it's fun for everybody. We all good with that? Okay, it's night two. Nobody's that comfortable yet, but they're not bouncing with energy or awkwardness either. We got the kids gathered round the campfire, something like 24 total, but they're split up between four campsites, spending the nights at different ones. Tonight, it's here, with the forest leaning in over them, and the stars spreading out to touch the lake. And at the center, Carving a stick of wood, looking every bit the picture of your archetypal camp counselor, 
You got a young fella named Dennis telling his favorite scary story. And it goes like this. But as Davy ran through the woods, he got so caught up in the excitement of it all that he forgot to look where he was going. And before he knew what was happening, he fell face first right into the bear trap he himself had planted too close to camp because he was too tired to listen to the ranger telling him to head a mile out. It snapped shut, the jaws crushing his skull almost immediately. The last ten seconds of his life were unimaginable agony. His left eye had been blown in a goo while he could no longer close his mouth because the teeth had pierced his right cheek and stuck themselves between his jaws. His blood and brains pooled around his right eye, drowning his vision in burning shades of red. His screams choked by his own fluids as he lay dying on the forest floor. And some say, all these years later, if you stay out late, you'll see him. Wandering between the trees, head crushed between those steel jaws, carrying an axe, ready to exact his furious vengeance on anyone who dares to take joy in the place where Davy Carpenter suffered such a gruesome fate. Anyway, night kids, hope you enjoyed your s'mores. The group parts. And all the kids start shelling off their respective campsites, led by different counselors. There's six kids staying behind. They're spending their night in a log cabin on the shore of this great big lake. And two of them, Martin and Lewis. Martin and Lewis? You want to name them? Martin and Lewis go walking off into the forest. It's dark out. But they've got about half an hour before they have to be back in their cabin. So they're taking the opportunity to go for a walk. You think there's anything to that story? What, the bear trap ghost? Yeah. Well, not the ghost part, obviously, but I mean... Did a kid die in a bear trap in these woods? Yeah, I guess. I don't know, maybe. But like, why would a park ranger get a 12-year-old to set his own bear trap? That's one of those things that seems impossible, but... I mean, every day, I look at the grown-up world and find new levels of stupidity. Are you saying you think a park ranger might have entrusted a 12-year-old kid to set his own bear trap? I'm saying that grown adults in this country seriously considered, en masse, injecting bleach as an antiseptic. Okay, fair. But still, it seems far-fetched. Like, this isn't Florida. (laughs) Fair point. Also, surely his ghost is just like a 12-year-old kid with an axe, right? And a bear trap on his head? It seems like it would look stupid. Well, it might not look stupid if he was chasing you with his axe. No, it would still look stupid. The lethality doesn't cancel that out. Right. Like segues. Exactly. You can look like a moron and still be a hazard. Maybe he's not 12, though. Well, duh. If he died, he died in, like, the 80s. No, I mean, like, Jason. That dude was a kid when he died, but he came back as, like, a ripped seven-foot-tall zombie. Okay, one, movie. Two, didn't he survive the drowning? Like, isn't that the plot of part two? Um... Wait, which one's part two? The second one. Oh, that doesn't help. It's 
The one where he's got a bag over his head? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He becomes a zombie later on, though. Sure, but that has nothing to do with his size increase. Well, what kind of dark evil magic caused that, then? Puberty. Hey, Neat, a wolf. Um, uh, maybe we should turn back? What, you scared? Of wolves? Yeah. But duh, I don't like disembowelment. Chicken. Whatever, man. More importantly, I'm not sure what direction the camp is. Huh. Huh? Huh. Yeah, I don't know either. Ah, oh, fantastic. Maybe we can use the stars. How? I don't know. Uh, dude, this is not good. Relax, dude. We just need to not panic. Let's think. Okay. Okay, so the campsite is by the lake, right? Yeah. So, we just need to keep walking downhill. Can you even tell which way is downhill? We're walking by the moonlight. I can barely make out where the trees are around us. Well, all we need to do is keep walking, because eventually we'll just start to feel it. Downhill, I mean. Well, if you say so. I don't like this man. Relax, we can't be that far. The campsite's not that big. We'll bump into it eventually. I mean, with that story... Oh, what? Give me a break. It's just a story. What if it isn't? Are you serious right now? You really think some kid fell into a bear trap and now he haunts the camp? Maybe, okay, maybe it didn't happen like Dennis told it, but... So how did it happen, huh? Come on, dude. Ghosts aren't real. I guess... We keep talking about it, though. We keep talking about loads of shit. Doesn't make it real. Maybe it does. You ever see Candyman? Nah. Well, in Candyman, right, the whole idea is that the monster's just like an urban legend that all these people living in, like, public housing make up to explain violence and stuff. Only it isn't an urban legend. No, dude, it's like Candyman isn't real until you start to believe in him. Then he becomes real. What are you talking about? Uh, It's like... He exists because of the stories that are told about him. So you're asking me if because we tell stories about Davy Carpenter, he's become real? I mean... Get real. No, like, I know, it sounds stupid, but, well, when we tell stories, they're kind of real in that moment, aren't they? I mean, in a way, right, Davy Carpenter does exist. Even if it's just the idea of him. It's still an idea we keep referring to. Every ghost story is real while we tell it. Are you high? (sighs) Let's just keep moving. You know, maybe you're right. The stories all do come true. Shut up. No, for real. He's out here in these woods right now. I said shut up. Don't worry, though. I've got a plan. If he shows up, I'm just going to start telling a Batman story. That way he'll swoop in and kick his ass. Are you going to shut up or what? Lewis? Dude? Dude, this isn't funny. I know you're there! Lewis! You always remember your first severed head. Especially if you're 13 years old. And the head used to belong to your best friend. And double especially if it's thrown at your feet by a spectral glowing seven foot tall zombie whose face is crushed in a bear trap and who's holding the headless body of said friend over his shoulder and carrying an axe in the other hand. That, that's the sort of thing you don't soon forget. So Morton ran. 
Now, Martin doesn't know where he's running to. He's just knows anywhere it's better than where he's been. Half of him doesn't even think this is real yet. Just some crazy dream. But he knows that even if that's the case, he's not showing any signs of waking up, so he better hightail it. He only half registers the trees and the logs and the bushes in front of him because the same thing keeps swirling in front of his eyes. The monster that killed his best friend. And just then, he can't believe his luck. He sees it. The campsite, the main cabin's just meters away. He bolts out of the forest, hysterical, tears in his eyes, terror in his veins. Martin, there you are. Where the hell's Lewis? You two were supposed to be back. He's dead. He's dead. He, he killed me. He got him. Whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down. Who's dead? Who got who? Davy. Davy Carpenter, he's real. He killed Lewis. Oh, God. I'm so fired. Okay, okay, I'm not telling that story again. Martin, there's no Davy Carpenter, okay? It's just an old spook story that belongs to this camp. I saw him. I saw him kill Lewis. It was real. Martin, why is there blood all over your jacket? Lewis. Martin, you better come inside and tell me what happened right now, okay? Now, Martin, where is Lewis? Him! What happened to him? And there, outside the window, they see him. Standing motionless, silhouetted by the moon, is the spirit of Davy Carpenter. That's impossible. Martin, get behind me. Okay, what, 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 what I want you to do is, is, is run out the back door and, and head to the main cabin, okay? Get all the kids, and, and, and you know the Devlin Trail by the lake? It's a five-minute walk to the next campsite if you stick to it, okay? You get them, and you run. What, what are you going to do? Don't worry about me. You go, okay? You go, and you run. Now, Martin, run now! <laughs> Martin, run. Because there's nothing else he knows how to do. He can barely feel the pain in his legs, or the wind in his eyes, or the tears on his cheeks, as he streaks across the empty campground to the main cabin where the lights are still on. It's calling to him, his only hope, and the only hope of safety for all the other kids trapped within. He's running, he's running, he's running, he's almost there, he can taste it. But then, he looks down the ground for just a moment. And when he looks back up, impossibly, Davy's form is standing over him again. No! No, it's not fair! It's not fair at all! Please! Please don't! Okay, good night, everybody. Hope you had fun. Don't forget to tip the bartender. Jesus, Wolfgang. Yeah, dude, that was... Terrifying? Edgy as seat? Definitive proof of the Slash's superiority. Try gauche. Vulgar. Just plain mean. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> no, no, if anything, I'm more on Shirley's side now. What? Why? Adam's story had a bad end. That was a morality tale. This is just sadistic. Oh, please. It's a horror story. What the hell is the point of that sort of thing if you can't indulge in a little vicarious violence? Yeah, I, I guess. I don't know what. 
I feel like you have to earn your bad ends, you know? Apparently, I don't. These stories don't have to be uplifting, but they do have to leave you with something more than just, he died, the end. What does it matter? They're not real. What about what Martin was saying? Huh? They're real in the story, and the story's real so long as it's being told. So what? You disapprove? Mm-hmm. And what? You like me to rewrite the ending? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fine. I just want you to know this counts as studio interference. Okay, okay. We're back with Martin and Lewis walking in the forest. Lewis is giving Martin shit for his worrying about Davy. When all of a sudden... If he shows up, I'm just going to start telling a Batman story. That way, he'll swoop in and kick his ass. Are you going to shut up or what? Did you hear that? It's, it's probably just an owl. Some owl. Martin, look out! There, before them, gleaming with an unearthly glow, stands a seven-foot-tall spirit of Davy Carpenter. Blood oozing from the bear claw around his head, an axe raised, ready to strike. Run! He's real. I know. I mean, he's real. Yeah, I saw. But like... Dude, focus. Okay, okay. Sorry for... Later, later. Where are we going? Look, the campsite. Let's go to Dennis and... No, Dennis. Dennis can't help. How do you know? I just... I feel like I've been here before. And Dennis isn't the answer. Where, then? Is he still following us? Yup! Okay, okay, I, uh, uh, I, I got an idea. You know the tool shed? The big one? With the basement? Yeah. Let's go for it. Now! Help! Please! Please! Somebody! Help! Please! Help! Please! Please! Somebody! Help! Please! Please! I don't want to die! I'm sorry! I'm scared! I'm scared! I want my mommy! I don't want to die! Please don't kill me! Please! Please! Now! All of a sudden, from above, in the rafters, Lewis jumps down onto Davy's back with two jumper cables in each hand. Got him! Light him up! That was all Martin needed to hear. He slammed the lever down on the fuse box, and the current surged through the monster's middle and fused head. Guess you're the one who was in for a shock. I hate you. Any better? Yay! I liked it. I don't understand how electrocution was the key ingredient to defeating an incorporeal spirit. I also don't think that's what the fuse box does. Look, I never claimed to be an expert on electricity, okay? All I knew was that it blew the bad guy up in the end, and that seemed to be what you guys wanted. Sheesh. So, which one happened? Huh? You've got two stories with radically different tones there, bucko. Which one happened? Why do you mean, which one happened? Neither happened. It's a made-up story. Well, what about what Martin was saying? Fine. They both happened. Happy? I just think it's interesting to think about whether these stories are real in any meaningful sense. 
Or how different versions of themselves relate to each other. Ah, oh, you're gonna do my head in. You're speaking of the question of modal realism, yes? Whether fictional realities exist in some nebulous fashion. Well, sort of. But also, uh, I don't know. Maybe stories which aren't real can be true. Does that make sense? Yep. I need more booze. I mean, look at Shakespeare. Nothing in his histories happened the way he... W- Did anyone else feel that? Yeah. Indeed. Like, for a moment, we were just voices in a void? Like I said, more booze. Probably a disgruntled relative shrouding us in darkness for a moment. Or perhaps Nosferatu was flickering the lights. I, I thought you were Nosferatu. No, no. Distant cousin. Genuine weirdo. Never heard of a nail file. <laughs> This one time in Germany, we were in one of those cabaret clubs, and there was this great big Bavarian woman, and the chest on this woman was unbelievable. And I said to Nosferatu, do not grab Tales from the Tombstone Tavern is written and edited by Dalmata Blanche, directed by Jamie Boucher and produced by me, Amina Hamid. It starred Dalmata Blanche as the narrator and Adam, Joshua Manning as Vlad Dracul, Anna Chedham Cooper as Lady Shirley Edith James, Percival Fagent as Wolfgang the Wolfman, and Senna Briar as Queen Ankh Esenamon, with original music by Sidaris and Sword Coast Soundscapes. Thanks to Arts Council England for their support. Thank you.